Welcome to the WrestleDown! WrestleDown! New theme song! <laughs> Every week. <laughs> uh, new intro, new theme song. I'm Jared Palapal. I'm Dennis Bruno. And we got our mascot, uh, Keaton the Kitten Man. My rubbing little cat man. his face on everything. He's rubbing his face on everything, just like we rubbed our faces in a lot of wrestling. <laughs> um, last weekend, as you, if you heard our preview episode, there was too much wrestling, but we did it all. Yeah. Or all of it that we wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch every match of the G1 shows. Like, you're describing us as, like, gourmet fanatics. <laughs> yeah. of just, like, we love everything, but in selective, moderate portions. <laughs> portions are important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Balanced diet of action, which included the G1. It included SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, TakeOver. Yup. And uh, I also watched a few matches of the Carcoon Hall uh, stardom show. Excellent. We're going to talk about all that. And uh, fucking let's start off. With uh, SummerSlam, it's the yeah. big, it's the it's the last one. We'll go. Uh, it's not the last one because of the finals of the G one, but it's uh, it's the last WWE one. Exactly, it was their biggest one. It's one of their big five that they call yep. them now. It's their second biggest show of the year, nominally. Mm-hmm. And it was a sneaky good show. Yeah, uh, we got to watch it together mm-hmm. with friend of the podcast Ben Moser and mm-hmm. friend uh, friend of the friend who yep. was also his brother Tim Moser. And brother friends, brother friends, like Keaton and Daryl. Yeah. Who I love watching shows with people who have a different experience mm-hmm. that they're expecting going in because he was a '90s wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. So people like Goldberg and Trish Stratus showed up. So you get to kind of like see what they're into because he was a big fan of like Alexa Bliss, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Yeah, and that was an awesome opener. And honestly, like there were only a few shows, a few matches that kind of meandered, but it was yeah. just an excellent show. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it was excellent. Because, like, none of it blew me away. It was just consistently okay. Ooh. Yeah. We want to talk about The Fiend, then. Oh, oh yes. Okay, that did. Okay, yeah. that was the one. That, uh, and um, Trish and Charlotte were probably my favorite things of the night. But the rest of it was just, you know, decent. Yeah. Um, and you kind of expect, because WWE just wants, like, big moments rather than great matches for right. the big events. Which is, to your point, is why uh, Trish and Charlotte was so good, because that's a match you would expect to be more moment-laden, because mm-hmm. Trish hasn't been an active wrestler for years. Charlotte is arguably the best main event WWE women's wrestler that they have, aside yeah. from Becky. And they had the longest match of the night. They had, Surprisingly. psychology-wise, one of the best ones. They were mm-hmm. in Toronto. Right. Trish is from Toronto. She put on a hell of a match physically. The storytelling was excellent. The right person, in my opinion, won where it's it's one of those instances where Charlotte goes over and looks great by beating arguably the female WWE legend. Right. And did it with her finisher. She shows up on SmackDown with a little more more swagger. It's excellent. Yes, yeah. That was a great match. Um, Yeah, I mean, and also I'm kind of bugged that, like, nothing super notable happened. Like, it was all good, but, like, the most notable thing to happen is Seth Rollins winning the title back that he had only really lost for a month. Right. So, but, and, uh, I don't know, what'd you think of that match? The Brock Lesnar-Seth Rollins match? I feel like the match was a little difficult to get into. Keaton has uh, attacked me mm-hmm. in the same way that Brock Lesnar attacked Seth Rollins. With love! Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of expecting Lesnar to win, because I've kind of been beaten down with a little bit of wrestling nihilism, yeah. to expect of just like, okay, he's not going to be around, but he's still going to be the champion, but I love that Rollins won, because it's rewarding the guys who are there every week, 
for the pay-per-views. Um, the match itself, I think it played on really well their last two singles matches. Yeah. Where uh, there were like beats made for the WrestleMania match where there were weapons like alluded to being used. Did, did a chair get involved in this one? I, nope, I don't think it so. was no. clean. No, Absolutely it was, clean. It was the ter- table spot I was thinking oh, of. Oh, right, yes. Uh, the frog splash from the ring to uh, the German announced team, or the Spanish announced team, one yeah. of those two tables that Lesnar was laid across. Rollins hit it clean, yeah. but it wasn't like the end of the match. It was just like three quarters through, and it led to a hot finish where Rollins just kept nailing his stomp until he got his title back. Yeah. Um, my problem with the match is that it didn't, didn't uh, match the story that they told going into it. No. It was a Seth Rollins match. And, and you know, that's a great match. Mm. Uh, but, like, the story going in was Brock Lesnar fucking ruining Seth Rollins' life. Like, if Seth Rollins walked down the street and used a, le- a word with the letter B in it, Brock Lesnar came out and just slammed him into a building. Yeah. And then just slammed him into the ambulance that came to help him. Right. Um, you only get to use A words. Yeah. You don't get that far in the alphabet. You get 25 letters. <laughs> <laughs> That's plenty for most. <laughs> B's a second tier letter in Scrabble. Um, <laughs> probably third tier, really, when I think about it. But, um, That's okay. Lesnar can't spell Scrabble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, it, the match was just like Seth Rollins was just 100%. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he won it. And it was very exciting, and I was happy to see the match, but just, like, it felt weird. Um, yeah. They, they considering the build to it. They didn't lean too heavy into his injury. It, there was one excellent spot where yes. he got swung around by his rib tape. Yeah. Which, uh, that's just a fun phrase, rib tape. Yeah. But, like, he got helicoptered around like a little child on, I don't know, hangout day with a stepdad. Yes. And stepdad's being too rough. <laughs> oh, them rough stepdads. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the way that they show up in pornos. Um, <laughs> different way. Um, yeah, good match in a bubble, but, like, it just it felt weird. But I'm happy that Seth Rollins is a champion again. Yeah. Uh, and Brock Lesnar's not getting a rematch. So we'll see what happens with him, if anything. I I would expect him for like the the big network debuts, like maybe yeah. as a surprise. Maybe they uh, advertise him ahead of time because we got Clash of Champions coming up next. But yep. I I it would be silly to assume he would. He'll never be back. You're right. But, um, I liked this a lot. The other big wow moment of the night was the Fiend. Yes, Bray Wyatt debuting as the Fiend as a uh, uh, I mean the children's show facade throwaway. And he came out in a in his scary mask. Uh, shout out to Poppy, and uh, <laughs> he with a lantern that was a Bray Wyatt head. Yeah, lobbed off and just sealed around this lantern. It was a fantastic sight. He beat up Finn, Finn Balor. Yep. Finn Balor had just enough uh, offense to you know be credible, but um, yeah, the feed was the the big takeaway of the night. I. One of the greatest things I saw uh, written was Brandon Stroud on Uproxx about The Fiend, which was, he's so evil that he broke Finn Balor's neck as a transition. <laughs> yeah. There's so much hate in his violence that, mm. like, I, and at first I was kind of, like, eyebrow raised with Ron Smackdown this week of, like, where's The Fiend? But it adds to the mystique that you don't see him every week, you don't see him every pay-per-view. Yeah. This, the Fiend is honestly one of these, like, larger-than-life characters that, is kind of above, or you wouldn't expect to want to compete for titles. Mm-hmm. So he'll just terrorize whoever he wants, whenever he wants, and then he'll spook the crap out of them. Yeah, and then maybe he'll wind up with a title at some point. But like right now, well, you know, keep him on a high note until you know maybe he needs a title. Yeah, uh, I do think that like the Firefly Funhouse should have shown up on Raw or SmackDown, 
Like, not the fiend, just like a innocent, like nothing happened one. But we'll see what they do in the future. I'm very intrigued. Um, and what the fuck else happened? <laughs> um, they're getting more creative with the 24-7 title. Two. That's true. Yeah. yeah. They, uh... Um, they didn't have any title changes at SummerSlam. No. Which is very, uh, it shows some good restraint for them, because they had, what was like what, a five-hour show? Yeah. It could have changed hands 47 times. Yep, and in, in context of, like, a five-hour show, it was, like, an hour and a half of the two-hour pre-show talking, mm-hmm. and then, uh, was it two or three matches? Because I know we, we came in for the women's tag title match, yep. and the Cruiserweights wrestled. I'm trying to remember if there was a third match. No. There was. Um, oh, it was... Buddy Murphy, Apollo Crews. Yes. You got interrupted by Rowan. That's the one. I, I lumped that in my head as a segment because it mm. keeps feeding into the Roman Reigns mystery. Yeah, which we'll talk um, about later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of wrestling for a wrestling show, and it was heavy on that. There wasn't a lot of, like, segment and pre-tape and promo stuff. Yeah. And I would there's not really a match I can think of that didn't deliver except for, in terms of just, like, high expectation and the prestige, was Kofi and Orton. Yeah. Well, I think... Yeah, I mean, that one definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that one would have been better received on a shorter show. Yeah. Because, like, it was a slow match, and it's kind of, the audience is not going to put up with a slow match at, like, the four-hour mark. Um, yeah. I would say the Bailey ember moon match was a bit of a disappointment. Like, they gave not it true. they gave it their all. Yep. Uh, but they didn't quite gel. No. And the crowd gave zero shits, which is so disappointing. And for some reason, Toronto seems to hate Bailey. I don't yeah. understand that, but... It's bizarro world, <laughs> as Jerry the King Law loves to say sometimes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a Bailey Homer, as mm-hmm. I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, but, like, they got done no favors, her or Ember Moon, in terms of the storytelling of this. Yeah. They traded wins, they traded interference. They, there wasn't anything that really served a title match. It was just more yeah. two people beefing. I gotta say, like, the none of the women's matches really had much story to them mm. uh, at all. Like, to the point where the Bailey Ember match and the Trish-Charlotte uh, match didn't have video packages because they didn't have enough story to tell. Right. So they just kind of threw the matches out there. Yeah. Um, maybe even Becky and Natalia did. No, I think they did. They did. They had yeah. more time on Raw to try to cobble together some, some things about Natalia casually swearing, which is always weird. It's like your kooky aunt who is, yeah. like, super into incense and yoga is just, like, calling people... You know, bitches and cunts and things. Right. So well, she didn't call Becky a cunt on on It Rob. was heavily implied. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it would be a very different show. Yeah. That, that That's how you dress down someone who keeps calling themselves the man. Yeah. But I in that match, I loved the sharpshooter that was around a, uh, a friggin' mm. ring corner. And I wish Toronto popped harder for the, the whole. The crowd was kind of low energy the whole time. Yeah. I wish they had, like, gone nuts for that mm. spot. It would have felt more special, but, yeah. In and of itself, I feel like it's symptomatic of WWE being like, well, we're going to have a giant show after TakeOver, yes, which true. leaves you so satisfied. Yeah. Um, oh, and the other match I really liked was uh, uh, AJ Styles versus Ricochet. Yep. But also the ending didn't make sense for the match nope. itself, but whatever. Some Yeah, sometimes the WWE at large is just going to deliver on like spots and ooh-ahs and moments like you would said rather yeah. than storytelling. I think they're working on trying to get Ricochet to be more... Like psych, uh, sound psychology wise, psychology wise, psychology because you're beating. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but like, yeah, because I think like that was the point of the match, like, sh- like show him struggling with his leg, and then he does a fucking phoenix splash, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like AJ Styles just catches him. Doesn't have really involve his leg being injured. Nope. He just catches him like he did Kota Ibushi, and I think like Loki or somebody. Yep. Impact. Um, great ending. 
that they've done a couple times, and it's always good. Yep. It takes an enormous amount of skill. Yeah. What are you doing there, Keaton? I got a new air uh, purifier, and Keaton is uh, fascinated by it. Excellent. Um, which is good, because it was specifically to help with his asthma. New uh, smells. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything else at SummerSlam you wanted to point out? Because I'm blanking on even matches that happened other than what we talked about. I mean, that's the thing. Like To your point, it was long, and it was one of those things where if you were watching it for moments that you really liked, then you, you kind of got satisfied by that. Yeah. It, it was weird. It's still always weird, like, not seeing Shinsuke in the secondary titles. Yeah. And no tag titles. Yeah, no tag titles, no U.S. title either. Yeah, you're right, no yep. secondary titles. Yeah, and the Intercontinental Champion, name them right now. Because I don't remember either. Shinsuke. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shinsuke is the Intercontinental title. Uh, U.S. title, I am blanking on hard, though. Right. We're very good at this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Ricochet and AJ was for the title. Oh, um, duh, yeah, okay, so there was a secondary title right. match, yeah. So, I, sorry, I got, I hung up on uh, Shinskamerica, yeah. Nakamerica. Nakamerica, yeah. So I forgot he has the IC title now. Yes, everything, everything is everywhere. Yeah, he has one, you know, that's the thing, like, I like the brand split, I am fine with, like, the number of titles they have, it's a little much, but, like, yeah. on paper I'm fine with it, but the fact that they switch around every now and then... It's that's super confusing. Yeah, the wild card rule has has done very little favors. True. And hopefully by September, when there's when they actually do have two separate rosters that they try to stick to more favorably, it'll be easier to keep track. Fingers crossed. Or the ratings bomb, and they just start throwing everybody everywhere again. Trish is back. <laughs> I would not mind that. Uh, after oh, a match, yeah. And um, Dolph Ziggler getting beaten so hard that he's oh, yeah. become a running joke. Yes. So yeah. He he became so insufferable that we want to see him again to get beat up. Yes. Yeah. His whole thing is uh, <laughs> taunting after losing. I love that. Like at first, I was like, "No, guys, you did the Goldberg match. We were all happy about it." And then like, and then he he's like, "Goldberg, yeah, you don't have the the balls to fight me." Mm. And I was like, "But he just fought you." And then Goldberg beat him up again. And then he did it again, and they did the whole thing again. It was funny. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what I wanted to bring up? Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens. Uh, there's okay. not much to say about it other yeah. than it was interesting that it was not your typical Shane McMahon match. Yeah. He he definitely uh, he sold a little bit more. A lot of the off like he looked more vulnerable. He was more vulnerable. The shenanigans he tried to pull didn't mm-hmm. work out. It was nice to see Kevin Owens get a decisive win. Yep. And he I mean he didn't do a shooting star press or mm-hmm. the uh, coast to coast like. None of the high-flying Shane McMahon stuff. It was more like a Mr. McMahon match. Yeah. Which is how he should have been booked this whole time as a heel. Right. Um, but yeah, good to see that, like some little tweaks here and there are like, making the show a little bit smarter. Yeah. Uh, even though it wasn't my favorite pay-per-view of the year or anything. Right. Uh, closer to my favorite pay-per-view of the year, TakeOver. Yeah, baby. Mm. Murder is sexy. Io Shirai is mm. here. Yes, she did murder uh, Candice LeRae, or tried to. Yeah. And Candice was tough, but then she also lost. She got, like, it, it's one thing to say somebody got put in a submission hold and passed out. It looked like she was getting actively strangled. Yeah. There's, a, like, next level believable visual violence is so refreshing in the friggin' Mattel era of WWE. Right. And NXT is just so starkly different that it's refreshing. Yeah. Um, would you say that was the match of the night? Um, I would. It, it, I feel like only... I'm going to give it a Colin Gargano because they got the chance to do more. Okay. And there was so many, like, more inventive things that they got to do with three falls. True. After that, it's easily Io and Candice. Yeah, I'm going to... I would give it to Io and Candice just because, like, it packed so much into a short 
relatively short burst. Yeah. They seem to go for a really long time. I haven't checked the match times. Uh, but Gargano, like, uh, well, Gargano Cole wasn't, it wasn't appreciably better than the one that we were at, mm. the uh, TakeOver 21. I think that was my favorite of the matches that they've had. I feel like in terms of, like, classic WWE slower-paced storytelling, yeah. it the first two falls were excellent, and mm. then we got to the fireworks factory in the third mm. one. Yes. Uh, good fireworks factory. Very good. Um, Jumping off a gigantic table on top of a steel cage covered in barbed wire through a different table. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, like, the number of times that has been, like, Johnny Gargano cost himself the match. Yeah. Which is kind of my, why I was kind of a little deflated. Not, like, disappointed, but, like, just like, oh, okay. Mm. This is just, like, those other times that he, he thought he was a deathmatch wrestler, uh, but <laughs> he, he was the dead one. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's very good at running into or falling off of things. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, another great takeover, as always. I mean, um, the I mean the big through line that they kept teasing and promoting was undisputed era, undisputed mm-hmm. era, undisputed era. They're all gonna have the titles mm-hmm. immediately. Street profits, boom. Yep, they they lost the tag title or they the, kept you, them. Undisputed era lost the tag title match. Yep, which kind of took away. Well, it added to the uh, the unpredictability of the rest of the show because yeah. you didn't know if Adam Cole was gonna lose the title. That's what I liked, yeah. is that it seemed like no matter where we're going to go to three falls when it's a two out of three falls match, right. and it makes you more excited for this mystery stipulation that William Regal picks for the third fall, yep. and it makes it more believable that Adam Cole could lose. Right. And called very much into question if Roddy Strong would win. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that was a good uh, North American title match, too. Yep. Roddy Strong versus Pete Dunne, who yep. is not from North America, No. versus uh, Velveteen Dream. The only reason those two guys didn't win, they didn't have a Toronto Raptors team dance squad. <laughs> no. Uh, if they had, they could have won. But then again, Drake Maverick also wore a Toronto Raptors gear at the um, at the SummerSlam, also didn't win. Yeah. Mostly because he couldn't find the champion. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun stipulation. You can yeah. only win it if you find him. Which is exactly what the 24-7 title is. That's how, well, I think that's how most wrestling works. Yeah. Uh, the number of times... <laughs> That you're going to win because the champion is around uh, 99%. Uh, the only other times are if they're stripped of the title or otherwise vacated for some reason. That's true. But uh, what a fun visual just mentally that is of just like Pete Dunne enters to the <laughs> New York Knicks dancers. <laughs> uh, Celtics are playing the Knicks on my birthday. I might go. Um, hey. But yeah, uh, maybe Pete Dunn will dunk on people. <laughs> How fun would that be? He seems very short compared to a basketball player. Lose <laughs> <laughs> my mind. But yeah, that match was great. I love that Matt Riddle got in there and scrapped with Killian mm-hmm. Dane. Um, the funniest moment of the weekend of WWE stuff was the two of them fighting Matt Riddle and Killian Dane. Yep. When you see the local independent scene shows up in the form of security guards, the two of them keep fighting and hitting spots on them. They trade back and forth. They're getting towards the edge of one. There's one almost, like, mysteriously placed security guard <laughs> on the stage. You're yeah. like, yeah, you're really bad at your job. And then, boom, Killian Dane takes yep. him and Riddle off the stage. Yep, these all three of them smashed through a table off to the side that was there for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think, I've heard that a lot of those security and camera guys are, like, train uh, new trainees at the Performance Center now. That makes sense, too. Yeah. They're just brought up there, and they, they were in the class of whatever was announced uh, earlier this week, and I don't remember who they are except for Austin Theory. But, yeah. yeah, and Santana Garrett. Yes, oh yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, but the does. rest of them were just like collegiate athletes. Yes. Yeah, I was reading the, the description on some of them. One of them practices ninjutsu, which is exciting. Yes, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but TakeOver, excellent. All the title matches delivered. Yeah. What did you think of the women's title match? Um, that's where where I just said the, the title match is delivered. Like, the second half of that match was just flat. Mm. I feel like TakeOver crowds are very faithful and very hot for the Knights because they're just so appreciative. Yep. But I feel like there was just... Whatever element was missing from either Shayna, Mia, or the two of them, their program together, I feel like something was lost with uh, Justin Duke and Marina Shafir not being there. Yeah. I feel like they've, and they've done a lot of faction warfare with like Yushirai getting help with, from Candace or Kyrie getting help from Io and so on and so forth. So yep. they got a chance to focus on just the two of them, but. I gotta be honest, there's not a lot that Mia Yim does for me as a face. Mm, yeah. I feel like she used a lot of heel tactics in her challenge for this title. And That's you, true. you already have a giant monster in the background in the form of EO. Yeah. So I'm curious where uh, Shayna and EO go. Because right. unless you're going to flip Shayna, which I wouldn't want to really see. No. Um, I'm in love with where EO can go. And Mia Yim is just, it's its odd that she's had two challenges now. Nothing's really changed between the two shots she's gotten at Shayna, aside from she just, like, puffed Was up a little Mia's bit. Was Mia's first shot uh, in, on XCTV? Yep. What happened with that one? She lost. Clean? Yeah. Oh, wait, because of the, the interference, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. In part. Yeah. But it was one of those defenses where I it's forgot, like, yeah. well, we're between Tego. Exactly. Yeah. And in my head, I was thinking, all right, show me something different from the first one of those matches that they had, which this one was, it just didn't deliver. Yeah. I don't... I think she's not developed enough as a face character to be a believable challenger. I did think that the match was uh, booked smart, mm. like, in the sense that I like that they were, like, taking each other's weapons away um, by breaking each other's arms. Yeah. But it also took their weapons away. Right. So the offense didn't... wasn't, like... Uh, it wasn't fluid. No. Like, they were both being very uh, unnatural, which is part of the point, but also wasn't fun to watch. Yeah. Like, I get why they did it, though, because Candice versus EO, up to that point, was the only other singles match. Yep. And it was, like, a very, very much like, I'm going to throw all my cool moves at you, and I'm going to throw my cool moves at you kind of match. And it was very exciting. It was great. Yep. So I don't think uh, Mia and Shayna could quite do that. Right. But uh, it also, yeah, the... Both of them not having arms, uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of, it kind of slowed the match down too much. Yeah, especially at that point in the show, it fed to a hot finish because Shayna couldn't do the Kirifuna clutch. Yes, so she had to transition to a leg submission with the triangle, which that was really cool. And at that mm. point, I was thinking, good. Yeah, if if we're gonna move on and Mia's not gonna go over strong, then she might as well look like pretty submissive in defeat, which is exactly what happens when you give up. Yep, I love, um, I do love that uh, recurrent. Uh, recurrence theme in uh, Shayna's matches is that she can't do the Kirifuda clutch. So she, like, finds a way, either, like, that time she pulled her hair to give herself leverage, or, like, this time with a different submission or whatever. Yep. It's, like, it's cool. It makes her even more dangerous. Makes her dangerous. Her character's dynamic. She mm-hmm. gets more things to crow about. Of just like, I don't even need my arms to beat people. I don't yep. even need uh, Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. Yeah, she she's an excellent champion. I'm curious how the title gets offered, but I'm not in any hurry to see it leave, because there's not really a, a slew of challengers left. Dakota Kai! Yay! I hope she comes back in time for the next takeover, and then that's the end of uh, the fucking uh, Shannon Baszler 
uh, rain. I'd like that. I, I, that would like a nice full circle thing. Even though they had to just do a bunch of filler episodes uh, while the anime or while the manga was written. Yep. Uh, by which I mean Dakota Kai's knee was put back together. Yep. Like Tegan Knox, who was backstage. Yes, uh, she's doing like house shows and stuff now. Good for she's her. Just, like she's wrestling matches. It's good. Yeah. Uh, did we forget anything? We commented a little bit on the tag match, and yeah, that was it. Uh, fucking G one time. G one time. Oh man. Uh, what did you? Th- just general thoughts about anything you wanted. To- we gotta get Dave in here. Yeah. If he's caught up, I, got- I haven't talked to him. Friend, of- yeah, friend of the show, Dave Thomas, who watched uh, the G one for the very first time this year. His first New Japan exposure. Hell yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I've been watching the G1 at this point now for three years, and uh, easily caught the most of it this year than I have in the last two, and uh, it was excellent. Yeah. It, it was the best of the last three years. I feel like um, they booked it so smartly in the beginning half of both blocks, where right. uh, they really used the star power of John Moxley really well, and Kenta, but also were just really smart in building up people like Tomohiro Ishii and Lance Archer at first. And yeah. then by like it, it kept hitting different storytelling gears, like a quarter of the way through, third of the way through, like mm-hmm. people like evil got super powered. People like uh, switchblade started really slow and then came on incredibly strong at the end. Yep. He won six in a row. Just like he said he would yep. that fucking heel. Yeah. Um, Archer, they made so, or made seem so strong, even just like his presence, like, yep. I was shocked at how low his uh, score was at the last night yep. of the tournament when he had to face uh, Evil. Yeah. The very last night of both blocks, I am in love with because yep. it felt like this is the fan service that we give everybody who was patient enough to watch all eight weeks, basically, that led mm. to these last nights. Because the people who didn't necessarily got a, get a spotlight got one. Yeah. Archer went over incredibly strong. Fale looked really good. That was like one of my... Like, I think that might have been one of the best following matches I've seen. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of that is because there was a shit ton of interference, and, like, Sonata's a great athlete, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah, but I was I was enjoying myself much more than a lot of the other following matches yeah. this tournament. Um, I mean, it, uh, enough can't be said about how good uh, Ibushi and Okada was, and that's one of those things where you almost go into it with trepidation of just, like, this couldn't possibly deliver on, like, a dream match kind of build, but it, yeah. it absolutely did. I don't think it delivered on a dream match level, but I do think that, like, they were saving themselves because they are, they're likely facing each other at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. Um, and I think that they... I think they're capable of better, but I did like that match a lot. Yeah. Especially down the stretch. Yep. Um, and, I mean, it, it says a lot in B-Block to have so much pathos for somebody like Tetsuya Naito. Yeah. Who, like, in terms of, if you had to pick anybody who just, like, embodied and symbolized everything great about New Japan, it's mm. Kazuchika Okada first. Yeah. But, and, and largely because he's the champion. But after that, it's Tetsuya. Naito has the best story, yeah. I think. Like, just the whole, he was pegged to be the top guy, and then he didn't connect with the fans and had to come, go away for a while, and they came back more charismatic and interesting than ever. And now, I... When he lost, I was... Like, I... Once Jay White hit that switchblade, I was like, oh, he's gonna win. But, like, once the the three count came, I was fucking gutted. Yeah. Like, just emotionally. Like, in a way that I haven't felt bad uh, since maybe that time we saw Money in the Bank and John Cena won the (laughs) title. And, like, we walked to your car, like, silently. Yeah. Like, I was like... I was emotionally distraught, right? Uh, because I, 
uh, I don't know. I really, I was really invested in him winning, yeah. and yeah, he didn't. I mean, it, everybody else in B Block had very different motivations to mm-hmm. be there. John Moxley was trying to just like take the world by its tail and wrap it around his his finger, and he absolutely got bested by somebody who met his violence and met his level of antagonism, but was more motivated to win with juice. Mm-hmm. Goto, in terms of just like your next, your like second tier, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, couldn't get it done against Shingo. Yep. Shingo was just like not only just playing spoiler, but just like dedicated to showing everyone why he belongs in the heavyweight division. Yep, Beat and the he does. Shit out of him. Yep, he does belong in the heavyweight division because he's taller than Ishii <laughs> and bigger than Naito. Yeah, <laughs> Taichi breaking out oh. over and over again. Yeah, and especially against Ishii. His year has been fantastic. Yeah. Like, just his other matches with Ishii, his other his match with Naito, and a lot of his G1 matches have been really good. It's, it, like, two months ago... My man! Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he came up big. Two months yep. ago when the G1 was just, like, starting to ramp up and people were declaring themselves for it, I was very much of just like, you gotta be crazy in a field like this that you're gonna look overlook somebody like Minoru Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Suzuki-Goon did incredible. Yeah. It, like, not necessarily points-wise, but just all three of them. Zack Sabre looking like a petulant child to begin with, and yep. then getting huge submission wins. Lance Archer, this is the best version of Lance Archer he's ever had in his, For sure. been in his career. Yep. And Taichi looks like a legit heavyweight. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Saber had the most interesting arc because, like, we all expected him to do a lot better. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think a lot of the people who seemed to do, like, quote-unquote poorly wound up with, like, eight points. Right. Not bad. Um, yeah, but, no, yeah. But he, yeah, Zack Saber Jr. Uh, did, like, he did much worse than you would expect considering he's usually very good in these tournaments. Mm. And then he turned it around. He had kind of, like, a similar arc to Okada last year. Yeah. But without the balloons of the red hair. So, you know, <laughs> uh, a B version. Yeah. It, yeah, it. I love who they chose to tell those like, like perennial like loser stories with because it was him yeah. in a block. Co- Cobb started like that a little bit, and then it became Shingo, yeah. which was very interesting. Um, Ishii kind of like had incredible matches with pretty much everybody. Yeah, so he looked like the perennial P one uh, G one MVP that he always does. And B Block was chock full of people with titles who have lost matches, who now have title contenders. Mm-hmm. Mox versus Juice three, I think, is going to be really great. I th- I would imagine that's where they're going to go. Yeah, with the U.S. title, Taichi versus Ishii writes itself. Yeah, um, Naito lost to a bunch of interesting opponents. I'd love to see him and Yano fight again, just because yeah. Yano was super spoiler this year. <laughs> yeah, I want Yano to have a title match, even against like even against Moxley on like. I mean, I don't know what AEW's schedule is, like, once October starts, but, like, if they could get Moxley over there for, you know, a week and have him, like, face Yano at Power Struggle or something like that, just for a one-night thing, one- or two-night event, and then, you know, fly him out. Like, he retains, obviously, yeah. and faces Juice at uh, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Uh, mostly because I think Mox should have one uh, su- uh, successful defense. Yeah. But... But it, they did a great job with everybody. Everyone came out looking fantastic. Yeah. Um, the And then the day of the final, Yeah. you had the six-man tag with, uh, it was Ishii and Yoshihashi, poor Yoshihashi, <laughs> uh, teaming with Kenta versus Bullet Club, mm-hmm. and uh, Kenta decided he doesn't like to be booed anymore. No. <laughs> or he was okay, super okay with being booed, yeah. and just decided to go with the faction that boo- gets booed anytime. Right. And he won... You saw this, the clip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking Shibata coming out and kicking his ass real hard before 
being basically taken down right. relatively gently. Which, it's exactly the type of thing that WWE's done with people like Daniel Bryan and Bret Hart, where they have them involved with spots, but and you're thinking, like, ah, they're hurt, so maybe they're not going to wrestle, but that's exactly how you use somebody like that. Yeah. Shibata looked great in getting beaten down, and now Kenta's a rancid asshole. Yes, he is in the Bullet Club, and Bullet Club, it, it strengthens the Bullet Club a ton. Yeah. To have somebody like, a, a guy... If Jay White's going to be their, like, world title level guy, mm-hmm. it definitely helps to have somebody who's at, like, the IC title or never title uh, level yeah. in Kenta. Because, I mean, otherwise it's just a bunch of guys who are very good in tag matches. Yep. it. I always see Tamatanga as somebody who, who has also done, like, G1s in the past who could be main event level, but I think yeah. he's very content to be in G.O.D. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I don't, uh, he's never blown me away. In terms of like singles matches, mm. but he's a great tag wrestler, and I, you know, I'm fine with him being there because New Japan barely has a tag division. Yep. Um, Chase is a guy I'd want to see in the G1 next year. He would have very fun matches. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see him than like Tokyo Pimp. Yep. But um, yeah, I he he does excellent jobs. I love the through line of him just continuously threatening to uh, take part in the raid on Area 51 <laughs> yep. with Fale. This is the second year in a row where he uh, was the one with the running joke that ran through the preview tags. I love it. Like, yeah, he's good at that kind of thing, and I'd like to see that kind of energy. And as you want, they also protect him. Yeah. Um, he won a lot of the tag matches I saw with his like package power driver. Yep. And he did well enough in, uh, what was it, the New Japan Cup this year. Yep. Um, in its super deep field, but to your point about Bullet Club looking really strong, just the visual of Kota Bushi, big hopeful oh, face, yeah. coming out by himself, no Kenny Omega, no seconds, mm-hmm. and then all of fucking Bullet Club came out with Jay White. Yeah, it looked, it felt like 20 guys yeah. out there with Jay White, and it's just, it was funny to me that Jay White, like, in KFA, thought it was cool that all of his boys were out there. Yep. Like, he was just gonna stroll out and Red Shoes would be like, oh, yeah, like, 19 guys from the locker room just wanted to watch? Fine, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And none of them are gonna do anything. The Booker, the Booker's wife, Fale, everyone, sure. Yeah. But yeah, great, uh, well, what'd you think of the main event? I thought that, like, you had said this, um, in our Russell Friends thread, that this is Jay White's best in-ring story he's told mm-hmm. and i would absolutely agree with that i think that jay white as soon as i start to see him as not so like he's a little bit of a chicken shit heel but he has a lot of really good offense yeah once he starts to like really be able to hang with people offensively i'll be fully sold on him as a main eventer yeah but he takes incredible beatings he knows exactly when to literally lay on his belly or on his back to not take damage which is even more frustrating mm-hmm. Um, I'm waiting for the Jay White that doesn't need Gato. Yeah. So I, he's like an eight of eight out of ten for heels, and Ibushi looked like a nine out of ten. There's right. something. There's one left thing left, which is for like him to win the title. Yeah. But he looked incredible. The Kamagoye looks incredible. Their trading sequences in the final five minutes were really excellent. Yeah. Rocky Romero getting out of the friggin' announcer booth <laughs> to get rid of Gato was just like months Perfect. of yeah. wanting him to just stand up for chaos or good guys and he yeah. finally did i kind of hope we get rocky versus gato at some point yeah um but yeah i think uh you're right i kind of wish that even if jay white cheated throughout all the g1s i wish that he had like a clean win yeah uh at some point like even when he was uh, uh iwgp heavyweight champion just uh, just a clean win somewhere along the way just to prove that he can right rather than just like he needs it comparatively 
Yeah, and I think it, it feeds a lot into what, what Gato is good for, which yep. is he's an excellent heater, he's an excellent manager, he's an excellent distraction, mm. and Jay White's almost there. And I feel like yeah. once that flips, that switch flips, it's going to be that flip switch blades. It's going to be <laughs> excellent. Yeah, once that switch switches blades. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, even the fact that he has matches as good as he does now, this, like, says something. Because oh, yeah. he's, like... Only, he's still, I think, under two years from, like, returning from Excursion. Yep. And he's, like, he fits pretty well into the main event scene already. He's, you're right, he's not quite there, but I definitely see what they see in him. Yeah. I just need him to, like, click a little bit higher. Yeah. He's, he is where we're, he is where I think they think Osprey will be at in, like, six months to a year. Yeah. So they're, they're building a pipeline of people who can be stars who aren't just made in Japan. Yep. And it's, it's smart of them to do that. I think that... Him, Juice, and Osprey are just three excellent guys to build on. Moxley, if for whatever, if he gets to be able to be around more, right? Um, yeah, I love that Ibushi is the winner. Um, I love the screen cap of people asking him, just like, "Oh, is was it lonely for you winning?" It's like, "I was lonely before." Yeah, yeah, I was alone already. Yeah. which is, <laughs> oh man, like, <laughs> it's a great commentary on the Golden Lovers. Yeah, I love it. I love that Kenny Omega will like cry in public in a in a like interview. If someone asks him about Kota Ibushi, but Ibushi's like, Kenny who? Yeah. I wasn't around for 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy kneeing people. Yeah. Too busy trying to beat Tanahashi and not quite doing it. But yep. I did it this year. Yep. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah, I think it's it's good that they're building up that new generation because, like, I mean, Okada's still super young. Yep. Um, but, like, I mean, Naito, by all accounts, his knees are fucked. Yeah. Which is why he needs, he really needs to win at Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> real soon. <laughs> I need it to happen. Like, it was so weird because before the G1 started, like, I think my friends and I were, like, talking about, like, um, predictions. And I was like, I'm okay if Naito loses this time. Because, like, that, you know, him winning at Wrestle Kingdom, that's the end of his story. Right. And then he lost. And I was like, nope, I can't take it. <laughs> he needs to win. He needs, to, he needs to retain on the fourth and win the title on the fifth like Ibushi suggested mm. uh well Ibushi didn't suggest that he suggested that he himself does it but I want Naito to do that um but uh he'll probably lose on the fourth yeah. <laughs> just uh, the way Gato books things it, uh, it you feel for him and yeah. it, like there's something to be said about that type of booking because we're emotionally invested in mm-hmm. wanting Naito who's the head of he can flip to heel face anytime he did a masterful job of just being a shit heel against Juice, but yep. he looked super sympathetic against Jay White. Yeah, it like, kind of depends on the town, really, and yeah. whether they like him or not in that night. Right. So, oh god, it, and he's just the head of this, like the most eclectic and uh, I mean, eclectic is the best word for it, ragtag group of people, like evil mm. who is dying to bust the hell out of Lij. It looks like Sonata, yeah. who's just like, well, I'm a Similar. sexy pirate. Yes, but he's also like. He's on the verge of breaking out, too. He's so over. Yeah. I think he's probably... I mean, everyone assumes he's due for a title shot. And uh, imagine if it wound up being Sonata versus Ibushi. Yeah. At uh, fucking uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I don't think it's going to happen, obviously. Yeah. But, like, you know, it'd be fun. Yep. Okada, uh, you can plug in anywhere. So, yeah. Big fucking A-plus to the G1. Yeah. I loved it, the whole thing. And now that I'm exhausted of it, Stardom will start its uh, five-star five star Grand Prix uh, on Saturday. So I'll be doing it again, but at a much easier pace. What's up, Keaton? Do you have thoughts to say? Oh, he's busy cleaning himself. Yep. The G1 is like licking your arm. Yep. Um, One of the best quotes I heard, I 
saw was uh, Kevin Kelly just commentary on like the state of things. He was like, "It's been two months." (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Kelly. (laughs) Uh, My friend Alicia Siegel pointed out that Kevin Kelly was screwing up a lot of moves and names like towards the end there, and it's like, yeah, I, I was like, I get it. This is probably the most work he does all year. In the year that he's done the most work. Right. Like, it's got to be exhausting. It, it, by the tournament's end, surprisingly, I came around on Chris Charlton. I yeah. mentioned in weeks past, I was like, I don't really get this guy. He knows his stuff. Yeah. He's consistent. And when you have Kevin Kelly, who's just basically burnt, <laughs> and Rocky Romero, who is very good, but he, he wasn't there all the time. Yeah, he's like a, he's a color guy, mostly, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris Charlton added a lot of background knowledge, which, like, they chided him kind of gently, but by the end, you, you needed him here to kind of stabilize things. Right, yeah. Um, it's good. It's a good three-man booth, yeah. which WWE could lose use a lesson about. They could stop fucking arguing with each other yeah, about that's every the, little thing. It's the biggest thing. Like, yeah, just it's really. I hate to say because I like Corey Graves, but it feels like it's mostly him antagonizing things. I had a long conversation uh, about this like a while earlier this week. Um, I think it's because he's such a strong personality, and yeah. they've never had a face announcer with as strong a personality. Like, Renee's good, and she's getting better every week, but I don't think she's ever going to be the one to be, like, to have a quip that, like, shuts him down. Right. The way that, like, Beth Phoenix will take down Nigel McGuinness, and they're, like, basically equals on NXT. Right. What you doing, buddy? I think it's interesting. Like, I like that you bring that up, because I, I'm waiting for the female equivalent of, like, a Bobby Heenan. Yeah. And I feel like the closest thing WWE has right now is Lena Vega, mm-hmm. but they don't want to let her talk for whatever reason. Right. So, I... That's true. I'm, I'm curious who's going to take the stick and run with it. Because Beth Phoenix, I think she does a perfectly good job. She says a lot of what feel like cliche things that are said, like fed to her. Yeah. And her execution's fine. I just don't feel like I'm hearing her. Mm. Um, and Renee Young, I feel like, is just trying to keep up every week. She does a good job. Yeah. And gets dumped on a ton because Michael Cole is coached to do that or just does that. And like you said, Corey Graves just kind of goes nuts on everybody. He's, he steamrolls everybody, yeah. and he's... It's also super weird that the heel announcer is, like, the dominant voice. Yeah. Because he's on both shows. Yeah, and but the thing, he's right a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's part of what makes it tricky, because, like, you hear so much of his voice, but a lot of what he's saying is more accurate than the other two, because True. Michael Cole is 20 years of yes-man announcing in sound bites. Yep. That it, it's so fucking wooden. And Renee Young, who's still basically learning on the job, super enthusiastic and very charismatic, but trampled. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, anything else this week? Oh, I watched a couple. I, I highly recommend you go out of your way for some of the Kuraku and Hall shows, uh, matches on Stardom. Nice. Uh, specifically, Arisa versus Jungle Kiona Yay! for the White Belt, which was an incredible match. Love Jungle Kiona. Yes. It was a delight. It, uh, such a good match. Mm. Um, and I'll watch the main event later on. And, the, and there's another title match I'll watch. Um, but yeah, uh, you want to do Segment Mania? Segment Mania! This week, the one, the big major thread that we've been avoiding talking about, or we didn't really avoid talking about, we just didn't bring it up, really, um, for this, uh, for SummerSlam, or the weeks leading to SummerSlam, there's a big mystery in WWE. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the listeners what that mystery is? I do. Once upon a time, cancer survivor and biggest breakout star of the Shield, Roman Reigns, was walking down a hallway. Kayla Braxton, who went to journalism for this, was waiting to talk to him. And then, cring clang, a giant scaffolding fell on Roman. Oh no! That's what Kayla said. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was asking, "Well, who done it?" 
in the classic Sherlock Holmes style. <laughs> and it turned out, forklift error. Yeah, but then it, they, it was a forklift error. Yeah. <laughs> but then they said, no, 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 it was intentionally a forklift error. And who Which is not an error at all. Exactly. <laughs> it was a purposeful lifting of forks onto Roman. And then they said, hey, that guy in the muscle shirt, that looks like a buddy. That looks like a buddy Murphy. And they interrogated him, Roman did, and he said, it wasn't me, it was a tall ginger man who owns a vineyard. Mm. He said, Roman? And he said, no, Rowan. Yeah. Oh, Rowan! And then Rowan said nothing. Yeah, uh, so, Rowan be a buddy Murphy. Yep. And then, uh, Ro- oh, was that, nope, that was uh, b- between then. Samoa Joe tried to help Roman because everyone was like, I bet Samoa Joe did it mm-hmm. because everyone is racist. Right. And Roman Reigns was in the parking lot and a car hit Roman Reigns' car and Roman Reigns again was okay. Yep. Um, they opened the, the driver's door to the other car and it was a forklift. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there was the, the other car had tinted windows and drove off. So then the question was, who done it again? Yeah. Who's trying to kill Roman Reigns? And that's the mystery of the day. Yes. Um, what do you think about this? And we talked about this angle last year, a little bit last time, but what do you think about it so far? Uh, what, what was the last thing we saw about, oh yeah, um, next week Brian and Rowan are going to reveal who did it. Yeah. Um, because they've been doing their own investigation. Uh, something about SmackDown and tag teams yep. uh, makes them into investigative detectives. Yep. <laughs> Fandango started the trend, and now Rowan and Brian are continuing it. Um, this absolutely felt like, we talked about this last weekend and weeks prior, where Vince's rewrites have kind of thrown a lot of things through loops. Yeah. That they're doing the best they absolutely can to still do something with Roman, and thankfully it's it's branched out to Brian. Yeah. And Brian's thing for weeks had been, I'm going to make a big career announcement, and they're just moving away from that, which, fine. Yeah, it, whatever it, that was. Yeah. If, if the announcement is, uh, I'm a schemer, then... <laughs> yeah, I have decided that the best way to save the planet is to commit vehicular homicide <laughs> against Roman Reigns. Yeah, all of these vehicles are biodiesel fuels. <laughs> um, then we'll see how dangerous they are. Then we'll have to get them off the streets, just like we did with the guns. <laughs> I, I think this is leading to Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan, and I, I like it for that reason. Yeah. But they're not rushing to it, which uh, I was reading a little bit this week about how a lot of WWE storytelling is being paced out more. Like, we didn't see Braun Strowman for SummerSlam, but we mm-hmm. saw him on Monday. We didn't see Charlotte much after Mania, but we saw her a lot leading up to SummerSlam, and now she, because we're seeing her more, it, we got a break, and it's good. Yep. So with the storyline, it, it's being stretched out more in part due to necessity, but it also feels like I'm more interested to see what they're going to do next before I get, we get to the obvious answer, which seems like it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of going to hate it if like we waited a week and Daniel Bryan was like, I invested, I investigated myself, and it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, so there's a part of me that hopes it's not Bryan for that reason, but yeah. for the match that would result, I do want it to be Bryan. Ultimately. Uh, yeah, I got a top four of who okay. I think it's going to be. Brian's right at the top. I think it still could be Rowan. They mm-hmm. love Rowan. It's been it, what feels like a decade of Rowan with the Wyatt family True. and him feuding with Big Show in the stairs match. Yep. And him being a bludgeon brother that they see something in Roman that I don't, Rowan that I don't think the crowd necessarily connects to, but he's tall, he's a decent hand in the ring, and they just really want him to look good. Yep. Um, so I think it could be him. 
if this leads to Buddy Murphy just continuously jumping at Chihuahua-style Roman and yeah. leading to more great matches, fuck, let it be Buddy. Yep, yeah, I would love it if it was Buddy Murphy after all. Uh, my wild card pick is uh, it's Shinsuke, because he doesn't know how to properly destroy a man's balls, <laughs> so now he's hitting him with vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, it's like, I think they've gone through a lot of the most logical like choices. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. I feel like it's gonna likely be Brian, even if we take a couple more detours, because there's a few weeks before Night oh, of Champions. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, it would. It would be so weird if it was Shinsuke. Yeah. I kind of wanted it to be because I've wanted the Roman Shinsuke feud for forever. Yep. Uh, ever since they were the last two in the Royal Rumble that time. Yep. Um. But it would be weird. Mostly because Shinsuke already holds a title, mm. and I feel like a quick way to lose a title is to challenge Roman Reigns. That's true. Um, <laughs> they, they hate titles on Shinsuke, yeah. so it feels like we could end around there. And I'm not in love with just kind of like the mildly racist implication of sneaky, sneaky, I yeah. tried to destroy you, but right. I, I just want Shinsuke on TV. I know. Much like our sponsor wants to be on TV, uh, Rare Coins in Chocolate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Other other chocolate coins, they're just chocolate. These, they're coins that were dipped in chocolate. Real-ass coins. What coins? You don't know until you eat it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, so it could be could be a Canadian uh, a loony. Uh, could be a, a yen a two-piece. Uh, could be a quarter, a dime. Who knows? If you collect enough of them, uh, you'll have a bunch of coins from different years and different countries. Do you hate your dentist and you don't want to pay using dental insurance? <laughs> Fill your mouth with rare coins. I don't think this negates your dental insurance. Okay, good. As far, as far as I know. I don't think the dentist can take away your dental insurance based on what you eat. However, it is dangerous. However, it's the only candy that gives you money to eat it. <laughs> if you ever wanted to hire a pitch man who will give you three howevers in the sales pitch... <laughs> Jared Palafel is here to maybe sell you something, possibly, maybe, I don't know. I hope I've sold you on it, because they are, they are paying for this show uh, with with money that is not covered in chocolate. Um, well, it wasn't, and then I asked, can I have it converted into chocolate? And they showed me how they did, they did it right there. They got a, a, a colander, and uh, they put a bunch of coins in it. And they dip the collar in some hot chocolate, and then they pull it out, and now I have a block of coins that I need to give you uh, for this week's podcast payment. Oh my god, it's... <laughs> they're not even separated, it's one block. Yeah, uh, <laughs> contractually, oh you, have to, you have to eat it. Um, they're not gonna They're not gonna let you separate it by you know, tools, or by melting the chocolate. Um, I can't even use my teeth as tools, I gotta... Well, no, the teeth don't count as tools. They're they're part of you. Okay. Um. Yeah. So uh, that's that's our sponsor for the week. Uh, rare coins and chocolate. Um. They're the chocolate that will hurt your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm tired of all this safe chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what M and M? You know, to be honest, pretzel M and M sometimes hurts my teeth. Okay. And um, I don't get coins out of them, so it's not worth it. <laughs> what a weird vendetta. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they roll. They that was part of their pitch to me. Um, <laughs> we heard that peanut M Ms sometimes yeah, painful. Yeah, you, you ever have a, a mouth that hurts? Uh, yeah, sometimes my mouth hurts. Um, <laughs> and they were like, "Well, have you ever gotten paid to have a hurt mouth?" I was like, "No, I have not." And now I do. 
get paid to have a hurt mouth. This feels like a story someone had from middle school when they were getting bullied. I was just like, you ever have a hurt mouth? You ever have a Hertz donut? And you found a way to turn it into business. Yeah, that's what this podcast is about. Turning my interests into business. Mm-hmm. Right, Keenan? He doesn't even have teeth. And you know what? It, uh, they'll, I'm sure they'll think of a hard candy version just for Keaton. Excellent. Eventually. Oh, speaking of mysterious things, so I wrote yeah. down a couple other mysteries that are yes. ongoing right now. Okay. Um, one of them, uh, switching a little bit of gears to AEW. So uh, they're gonna the one of the big matches that they're advertising is Chris Jericho is going to fight the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. He's mm-hmm. got two mystery partners. Ooh. So I wanted forklift <laughs> and, <laughs> and a tinted window car. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my God! In terms of surprising debuts, I'm just like intergender wrestling, we're still years out. Yeah, interspecies wrestling. I don't think cars count as species, my friend. <laughs> um. <laughs> if coins can, if coins can be candy, then cars can be wrestlers. I guess that's true. But they, they're still not a species. They're still, <laughs> they're still a vehicle. Um. They give birth to life, y'all. <laughs> he didn't go to Wikipedia and look that up. We're doing the podcast now. I can't. I don't. I don't trust that fact. Um. So, okay. So your pick is forklift and car with tinted windows. Yeah. Um. I figured Pac was going to be one of them at least. Yeah. Um. I feel like the smart move is to pick one of the tag teams that's going to be in their tag team tournament. So I figured the Dark Order or um. Angelico and Jack Evans would be... Oh, Angelico and Jack Evans would be a really good yeah. fit for Jericho if they were, like, friends. They're so... They're such big dicks. Yeah, everyone's an asshole. It's yeah. great. They're like an actual rock band. Um, um, like Fozzy. Exactly. Um, I, I have the Lucha Brothers as well. It's just possibility mm. just because they're big marquee names. Then and they've been facing the Young Bucks a bunch. Yeah, and they play with face heel dynamics enough already. Yeah. Um, and uh, I figured Pac and just one other person... Yeah, because um, they're just big about trying to get Pac in at some point. I know he's injured, so it might not be him. But um, also... I think he, last I checked, he was like healthy, and he's like his visa issues, whatever that blocked him the first time, cleared up, and he's not holding the Dragon Gate title anymore. Cool. So like all the roadblocks seem to be leading to Pac. Pac's a smart choice. Yep. And I think Jericho earlier, or no, it was Cody earlier, said that uh, they've only uh, uh revealed about forty percent of their roster. That yep. uh, was the number he used. So, I mean, there's an entire 60% of unknowns that they could pull from and be big surprises. Yeah. Uh, my my last pick was uh, the final, the debut, finally, of two guys who've worked really hard. Uh, the default characters from the Creator Wrestler and all the WWE movies. The default wrestler? Is AEW bound? What a scoop from the wrestle down. You heard it here first. Right, Keaton? That guy. He's all green. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. In terms of other spooky things, what the hell is Shelton Benjamin thinking? Yeah. He's not saying a whole lot. No. So what's on his mind? Yeah, that's a, that is a weird one that they keep coming back to, and I maybe he's the one who hit Roman. Yeah. Actually, Ooh, that I would like be a that. fun match, yeah. Yeah. Because he's a guy who can lose to Roman... And have a great match. Yeah. And if he, you know, who gives a fuck if he doesn't look strong? He's, right. you know, he's a returning veteran kind of thing. He can just do like back handsprings all around the ring, and then Roman will spear him, and everyone will be happy. Yeah. Imagine um, if he was uh, responsible for the best ever sweet chin music and best ever Roman Reigns spear. He could do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He could be just very pleased with himself that he hit Roman, or tried to, or sort of did. It's all over the place. He did accidentally sort of drop a scaffolding on him, so he's getting somewhere. Yep. I think. Uh, 
I, it would be a cool uh, direction for them to take if, like, Roman was just wrong about, you know, another couple people before getting to Brian yeah. and just had great matches on SmackDown. It would really build him up right the right way. If they want to pay it off by Monday, he could be thinking about, what's it like to be a king? <laughs> he could be, con- like, fantasizing about being the next king of the ring. Is he in the king of the ring? He uh, is. Uh, nice. Um, he could be thinking about what it'd be like to be back in Suzuki-Goon. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in Japan? What am I missing out on? Lance Archer still got blonde hair? No. <laughs> do I do I weigh little enough to enter the Super J Cup if I just fly to L.A. in a couple weeks? Mm-hmm. Could I show up with a mask on and pretend to be a luchador? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, scantily clad ladders. Which, what ladders? No, he just... Oh, like, he's thinking about them. About. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I thought that was a mystery that was on WWE that I missed. <laughs> like, Why are there so many sexy ladders, Bessie? Who's not putting bikinis <laughs> on these ladders? <laughs> it's a TV PG product. We can't... We gotta put some pants on these ladders. It's, too many people are Their getting... Their legs are too long. There's too much ladder beef. There's too many erections. <laughs> The la- yeah, the last ma- like modern mystery I had was, what else do you think is in Alistair Black's room of rage? <laughs> uh, his cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he and Zelina have like four or five of them. It's true. Um, I figured there'd be some Five Finger Death Punch LPs. Mm, yeah. Just getting hyped before matches. Spooky henna tattoos. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of metal CDs. Uh, sp- yeah, spooky tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, real tattoo, regular tattoos. Uh, Eric Young, yeah. just there, yeah. when he's not competing for the 24-7 title. Is he still, yeah, he's still signed in WWE, holy sure shit. Is. Yeah. Someone's gotta hold the camera while Aleister Black <laughs> blisters. Yeah. Um, spare Zelina Vega cosplay outfits. He's just, yeah, he's just got them. Yep. Where, where else he's gonna put them? Exactly. And, uh, also EC3's sense of purpose. Yeah, oh, it's poor guy. wandering around in there. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's in there and like, he can't get out because some of it's latched onto him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of mysteries happening in WWE lately. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about favorite uh, mystery angles from the past? Or was yeah. that your... I, it, part of me was just like wanting to speculate on ones that never got paid off. Like, oh, yeah. One of them that came to mind immediately was GTV. Yes, that was the first one that came to mind. The rumor is that it was supposed to be Goldust TV yeah. at some point, but they just kind of they, they just faded away. But it was like a security camera thing that would capture backstage segments. Yep. And it was like, who's taping all these segments? Turns out it was probably just the production crew. <laughs> <laughs> With a different filter. Yeah. Before um, Instagram filters were a thing. It's true. And it led to some really fun moments in matches, like Val Venus took a pee next to Big Show in the men's bathroom. Mm-hmm. He's like, ha, and they call you the Big Show. Dick jokes. Yep. And then Big Show murdered him in the mm-hmm. ring. Of course. Um, yeah, I, G, Goldust, G, it makes perfect sense. He's a, he's a, like, uh, perverted voyeur. So yeah. So it fits in easily. At least at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it made sense. It could be a way to reintroduce dudes like the, uh, the head, oh crap, what, uh, the headbangers? Headbangers. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. I've liked on the men. Yeah. Um, in terms of just like counterculture shock value, guys. Right. Maybe Naked Vidian to see if other people are naked. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fun times. Uh, I was a fan of the uh, the anonymous Raw GM. Yep. <laughs> when Michael Cole would stop the show and then read new match stipulations off of a laptop. Yep. God, what a time. Because this mm. is this was... Like, a year, year and a half before Punk's Bite Bomb. Like, yep. this was the fucking doldrums of oh. a lot of our stars are just not here right now, or we just aren't making them, like, 
consistently. Edge was getting hurt constantly. Yep. Jericho was back, but wasn't best in the world at what I do, Jericho, quite yet. Um, so, yeah, it was part of the most interesting parts of the show of, oh, my God, you're just going to do something more interesting now, right? Please. Yep. And, like, it was nice. It was a nice, like, um, kind of a day six machina, machina kind of thing to, like, just randomly throughout the show, like, something would have, like, a face would get too, like, would win very easily, and then I'd be like, ah, no, you didn't win, because this laptop sent me an email, uh, this ghost laptop sent me an email, and now you have to fight in a handicap match for some reason. Yeah. And it was nice, because it wasn't, like, you could have these weird twists without having, like, a real character to, like, stay consistent or whatever, it was just a random thing. And did they, they, it was eventually Hornswoggle, right? Yes, they, it was. Yeah. So that one did actually get wrapped up in a very unsatisfying way well after the fact. But at least it was discovered uh, through a bunch of very meticulous clue gathering by Detective Santino Morella. True, yeah. As Sherlock Holmes, which I think our truth was, yeah, that was different. But yeah, so they paid it off, but I think like Edge and other people have talked about it of, like, it got built up for so long that yeah. there was no way they could ever pay it off unless... It meant, like, the permanent return of a legend, because the email sometimes had terminology and catchphrases from, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock. Yeah. So unless you had someone sticking around permanently to give it meaning, it was always going to be like, well, cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was me, Austin. It was me. All along. Which is another mystery. That's what I had, the higher power. Yeah. Um, Which I love as a moment, just because it felt like... At that time in wrestling in 98, where it was still Stone Cold versus the machine, but it was two machines. It was the corporation and the ministry, both trying to get him because he was yep. so hard to keep down. And it was a good changing of the guard of, we understand that these factions are huge and that eventually we're going to have to split them up. So that's when it became the corporate ministry, Vince yep. eventually segway, uh, segued out. And then they broke him up. Yep. So I love that as being like the peak of that, and then it didn't overstay as welcome. Yeah, it was just a it was a logical way to do it. It was kind of underwhelming because I mean it's just Vince again, but like yep. it was it was the logical move for that storyline, right? And also, it's a pretty uh, solid meme yeah. nowadays. Oh yeah, and by saying it's Vince again, it was just letting everyone know a little bit of just like we're not going to keep doing this. Like, yeah, that, that's it. We're, yep. we're moving on. Right. It led to Triple H's singles run eventually, yeah. and then Taker went away after the Ministry absolutely yeah. petered out and came back as the biker. It did also. It did also create massive plot holes involving Undertaker uh, kidnapping Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Which is a very convoluted plan if you try to plot out what exactly Vince would have been thinking. And honestly, it, it ends up fueling Stephanie and Triple H's eventual pairing True. up and run. Yep. So they did bring it back and like, retcon it in that way. Yep. Cool times. Um. All time, one of the ones of just uh, the the Black Scorpion of just. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I was reading up on that today because I know it vaguely. When that was big, I was three, so um, just like figuring out who actually was the the Black Scorpion. It was a few diff- different guys in the host show turn uh, circuit. Yep, and it really only could have been one of two people at the end: Ric yeah. Flair or Barry Windham challenging and, and trying to take the title from Sting. Yep, yeah. uh, and, ended up being Flair. Yeah. It, that's how Flair was fair to himself. <laughs> <laughs> he put on a mask and pretended to be a different guy than he was the guy. Yep. To be the guy, you gotta be another guy. <laughs> and then you gotta beat the guy. Woo! <laughs> oh, God. We're circling back quickly, that phrase, uh, fair to Flair, yeah. it's one of the, like, that was the call of the night from SummerSlam. Yep. Which, again, is this reminder that Corey Graves, 
Graves really is a fount of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, we're just like he has these brilliant moments of callbacks that tie in so much of wrestling history and lore. Yep. Um, but yeah, Black Scorpion stuff. Good, like, bait-and-switchy type of thing with mm-hmm. 80s wrestling of just, like, if you can't really get anybody else who who isn't Ric Flair or Barry Windham to be compelling, you might as well just, if you're going to tell the same story, tell it in slightly different ways. Yep. Oh, yeah, and there was also the uh, NWO third member. Oh, God, which, yeah. Which, yeah, uh, wound up being Hogan, which was, at the time, awesome. And yeah. now, uh, and now we, Hogan's a shit. So. Hi, <laughs> 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 Keaton. We don't like that orange man. We like orange cats and orange Cassidy. And those are the only orange things we like. Right, buddy? Yeah. Which... Keaton agrees with me. Big congrats to Orange Cassidy. He signed with AEW this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) By putting his contract in a blender. (laughs) It's going to be so... I don't know. It's. I'm so interested in what they do. Mm. Just because, like, they're, like, promising this very sports-focused, you know, uh, approach to pro wrestling. But they also have Orange Cassidy and, like, uh, a fucking wrestling dinosaur. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how everything blends together. So far, it's been, like, comedy shit on the pre-show, real shit on the real show. Oh, yeah. So now it's going to be weird to see how it goes on TV, but I'm very excited for uh, to see them, you know, uh, fail and succeed. Yeah. Like, as they learn. Figure it out. I mean, there's, there's always going to be spots in wrestlings for Santino Morellas and Orange Cassidy's, the guys who break up the action where... That's a palate cleanser, right? Like yep. it's part of why I love Toriano and why we love Yano. Of That's just, true. He's so creative that he could wrestle and bust out at any time, which Orange Cassidy has proven he can do. Yep. But he very he's so different. He's so purposely sloth like mm-hmm. and slower paced, but also super athletic. Yep. It'd be interesting to see how he just melts with the other roster. Yep. Love to see Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega for no reason. Yeah. It should only be five minutes. Yeah. And it should end how you think, but. Also, if it ends up in a roll-up and they do it one more time, sure. Yeah. If Kenny does a V-trigger and Orange Cassidy just kind of absorbs the impact and rolls out of it, <laughs> I'd be absolutely fine with that. I would also be great with, like, imagine he gets V-triggered, Orange Cassidy does, he rolls out of the ring and just goes home. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Kenny this. goes for the one-winged angel and Orange Cassidy just keeps rolling forward and then just rolls out of the ring and takes a break. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, there's just so much you can do with yeah, him. Yeah, so good. Um... Yeah, uh, the mystery of who was going to stand up to the Nexus at SummerSlam years ago. Right. Who's going to be the fucking seventh man. Yeah. Because they beat up Great Kali. Ended up being a returning Daniel Bryan. And rode that shit all the way to the U.S. title. And then eventually didn't do a ton, but then invented the S-Chan. Yes. Yeah, he that was his big return after he got fired for strangling a referee too hard. Justin Roberts with a tie. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh... Uh, any other mysteries you want to talk about? Because I'm who I'm killed Mister McMahon? Who blew? Oh up yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, it was Chris Benoit. <laughs> 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 uh, he did, didn't kill that angle. Has there been any um, word on how that was going to pay off? Um, I feel I, like I might have read something. I feel like the rumor was Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. There, I completely forgot Mr. Kennedy existed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that that would have made sense. Right. But then uh, tra- real-life tragedy stuck, and Mr. Man just had to be on TV the next week to be like, Not dead. Yeah. Which, oh, God, if nothing else, it, it's relevant now because Donald fucking Trump called Triple H. <laughs> And said, is Vince okay? Yeah. <laughs> After it happened. Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I I hated that guy when we was doing the uh, 
the hair versus hair match, but uh, not to this extent. Never want to see a limo explode, let alone with him in it. Yeah. (laughs) God. So, yeah. Times. Mysteries are good. I feel like they're they're best used when it's the debut of someone Mm -hmm. or a big shocking turn to an existing angle. Yeah. Or... Oh, we didn't talk about who the other vehicular uh, uh, assault... Um, mystery, who hit Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, it was the man who did it for The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Wound up being Rikishi. Yep. And everyone said, huh! <laughs> <laughs> but that went to the first uh, Hell in a Cell, Matt. Wait, no. Hell in a Cell, um, Armageddon uh, Hell in a Cell. No, well, yes, it was Armageddon Hensley. You're right. Six yeah. of them. Yeah. Six guys competing with a, with a uh, truck bed nearby. Yes. Oh, what a... <laughs> What an angle. What yeah. a, what an idea for a heel turn. Yeah. Some ballsy moves there. Very much. And, like, to your point, if everyone went, huh, including The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh, really? Yeah. How'd you do that? For me? <laughs> no, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put it with Mankind's book and the did, trash. Did, did, you, did you bring a receipt with that? Because <laughs> I'd like to return it. Can you please fix his neck? <laughs> We'd all like that. Uh, oh, yeah, though, this kind of thing. Like, that was the first thought I had when Roman got, like, the scaffolding locked on. I was like, oh, God, they're writing him out. And I was, like, like worried about the implications of writing Roman Reigns out at this yeah. point, you know. Health implications. But then it turns out he can survive having a bunch of shit falling on him and being hit by a car. Correct. Which, you know, it's fine. But, <laughs> yeah, honestly, Roman's been very, very strong for a while. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I thought for a second you, you launching in the well. First thing I thought when that scaffold fell on was, oh no, Rikishi's back. <laughs> but Rikishi had just been there a couple weeks ago, and things were fine. Oh no! What if that was the forklift error? <laughs> like he didn't want to walk back to his rent a car, so he was take his forklift, <laughs> knock some things over. He did the stink face out at the forklift, and the forklift got scared and hit Roman Reigns. <laughs> See, they're sentient. Yeah. They're species. That's true, you're they right. They can tag with Jericho. You got me in my own logic. Yeah! You win. I'm going to celebrate with these rare coins. <laughs> they're dipped in chocolate. Some of them dark chocolate. Ooh. Yeah. This is a big block of yeah. different chocolates. Yeah, you were... <laughs> You were, you weren't so thrilled about our sponsor, <laughs> but now that it's dark chocolate, like 70%, uh, you know, they're not so bad. Some of them might even be valuable coins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a selling point. Uh, if you thought your mouth hurt before, and if you enjoyed the sweetness of milk chocolate, nope, 70% dark. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, uh, let's say you get like eight of these and several of them are Canadian coins. Well, guess what, brother? You can go to Canada and get your teeth fixed um, <laughs> with some of the coins that you got. You ever feel like if Hulk Hogan hit his head and then got a promo? I feel like we'll be getting something similar to this. And this is very similar to the uh, WrestleMania Four promo where he swam away. That's true. <laughs> this is true. He had to get his teeth fixed in Canada. Yeah. There's no time. <laughs> That's how you get there. You gotta go upstream. It's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we've solved all the mysteries in wrestling. <laughs> sure did. Um, obviously, Sentient Forklift. Uh, I can't wait <laughs> to see Roman Reigns' spirit. Um, <laughs> hopefully not too hard, because parts of them are made of glass, mm. and I don't want Roman to get hurt again. Right. Uh, but yes, uh, I cannot wait for that match or the match against the Tinted Window Car. Yep. That's, yep, that's the next logical step, and then a handicap match where it's the two of them against Roman, where he teams and up. And a mystery friend. <laughs> yep. 
Which, once that mystery gets booked, we can start this segment mania all over again. Yeah, it's going to be Braun Strowman. Uh, he has the most... Uh, or the garbage truck that ate Braun Strowman that one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Roman Reigns is friends with that guy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And, I mean, if Braun Strowman can team up with a 12-year-old boy, then Roman can team up with a garbage truck. And the, well, the idea that I thought of a few episodes back... Monster trucks everywhere, yeah. and then WWE will be cool again, and then uh, uh, we can keep doing the show and join ourselves. Join ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Keaton. You enjoyed it, right? Yes. You looked at my finger. Um, <laughs> I know my cat. Uh, <laughs> I'm Jared Palapal, Twitter.com, Swing Dingling. Dennis Bruno at dbruno42 at Sensei Dinibi on Twitter. And Keaton is Keaton Fuzzy on Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to the Wrestle Down. Listen up. Here's the Wrestle Down. And I'm going to write a rap about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs>